How can digital technologies strengthen our democracies? This is the question we will dive into during this mini podcast series together with the European Forum Altbach. We will interview three members of Rethink Alliances, a democracy initiative the Forum launched together with the Mercator Foundation. This year's topics are the fundamentals of democracy and whether they are threatened by recent events ranging from financial crisis, the rise of populism, climate change and most recently the COVID-19 pandemic. Today we're welcoming our second guest, Evia Selma. She's a socially active person working on different digital literacy projects. Hello, Evia. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about the projects that you're working on right now? At the moment, I'm leading uh, IT Education Foundation, which is established by uh, uh, three partners, uh, Accenture, here based in Latvia office, uh, Riga Technical University and a software developer company, Mac IT. And uh, their goal was to, yes, promote digital literacy in Latvia, because uh, they already saw back uh, like 10 years ago that there uh, will be lack of IT employees. And uh, so they started to prepare materials for free, basically to, uh, to provide materials for schools uh, to improve the digital literacy, mainly concentrating on computer science, programming, and at the moment on digital design, uh, robotics, and uh, different other subjects. Like at the moment we're working, for instance, with the artificial intelligence project, uh, also um, with design thinking projects and stuff like that. So. Yes, preparing materials for free for schools, for teachers, educating teachers and uh, also general society. Before we dive into the discussion, could you please give us a brief definition of what digital literacy means? Well, I think everyone has a little bit different understanding about digital literacy, but if we look at the basics, I would say that it's um, uh, not only using different digital tools, diff different technologies, but also understanding how they work. Also, like just reading the text maybe on the Facebook is also uh, part of the digital literacy, but understanding if it's false uh, or true, analyzing things, it's also part of the digital literacy and being aware of cybersecurity, it's all part of it. So it's not about only usage of uh, different technologies, but also understanding and uh, analysis of it. Now I would like to ask a question about the European Forum Altbach and this year's topic, fundamentals. Amongst the mentioned fundamentals are teaching and education. Why would you say that education and specifically digital literacy are fundamentals? So for me, um, just looking at the education part, I think that there, without edu education, there would be no progress uh, at all. So that's why it's uh, very important, fundamental that all the societies should strive forward. And there are uh, still societies that, for instance, don't give access to girls for basic education and stuff like that. So when it comes to education and teaching uh, and also at the moment also uh, part of education is digital literacy basically gives us knowledge skills and um, it kind of forms us as personalities uh, and uh, therefore it's very important for educations also to, to evolve 
uh, like the time goes on. So we are preparing our kids and ourselves uh, for future opportunities, for future, I don't know, hustles, for future troubles. So basically, uh, education should be part of us all the time. So we are aware where we are and where we want to be. So, Would you say that education and ICT education in general is sufficiently addressed in Latvia and in Europe in general? I think we're getting there, uh, but it's definitely not. I think like an example that I would like to showcase is definitely Finland, where, for instance, programming is not like a... I think that it, they have it as a separate subject as well, but it's um, it's integrated in almost all, uh, all subjects in schools. So because it's algorithmical thinking and that can be inputted in many different subjects and taught in many different subjects. In Latvia, ICT education, well, this is where my job comes in. We were like kind of fighting for computer science being taught from the first grade in, the, in schools because until this year's May, it was uh, only informatics where basically you were uh, studying um, Uh, Microsoft Word uh, products. So at the moment, as of this September, so we're really proud. <laughs> um, some of the classes are going to across all Latvia are going to start studying computer science, and from the fourth grade they're going to start studying visual programming like Scratch, and uh, and from seventh grade there's also going to be textual programming, and it's really up to the uh, teachers and schools to decide which programming languages to teach. In schools and in general, they're introducing new field, uh, like technology field, where they're reforming also uh, other subjects and introducing like design and technology subject, which can be very well combined with programming and computer science. So in one subject, you can learn how to make products or things, and then in the programming, you can actually program these things. This is where we're moving forward. But in general, the, the lack of uh, employees Uh, it's huge in the EU. Um, I think it was like within the next two years, I think there was like a, around half a million employees are going to be missing. Uh, so at the moment also in Latvia, the job market uh, lacks ICT skilled people. So it's not only about schools, it's also about reskilling people who who don't have jobs maybe yet at the moment, but also who are doing jobs that uh, most likely won't be needed in a couple of years. So, There are different challenges that we're facing in the digital sector. One is for sure the lack of employees that we're already facing. But considering that we should recruit more people, we should also talk about the fact that women are less represented in ICT. What would you like to say to gender as an issue in the ICT sector? We all know that uh, Americans and UK have done research uh, why women are not joining uh, ICT sector as much um, as men. So we decided that we should do also research in Latvia because every country has a specific history that can affect things, uh, why things are the way they are. We as a foundation and our center, uh, we kind of requested um, a research um, that was done by a research um, 
think tank here in Latvia, Providus. So they did the quantitative and qualitative uh, interviews and, uh, and data collection. We came up with um, a pretty good research paper, which can be found if you're interested. Uh, we can share it uh, in the link or somewhere. Uh, it's also in English available, um, where we found many, many reasons, of course, why, why women are not joining. And in Latvia, comparing to the rest of the Europe, uh, we're kind of in, in better position because if uh, average score uh, in Europe is around 17%, then in Latvia, we're closer to 23%. And I think it's also can be explained because of our historical background, because we were part of the uh, Soviet Union and then women and men kind of were uh, equal. So a lot of women uh, studied also these uh, skills that were needed, uh, that are at the moment needed for ICT industry. Nevertheless, the stereotypes are very, uh, very popular in Latvia as well. And uh, they start in early age you know, just by giving a certain gift to a girl or boy, because uh, the, yeah, the quantitative data show that uh, uh, parents or friends are more keen to give uh, girls girly products uh, or toys and then the boys would usually get constructors that actually like evolve your likeliness towards um, towards ICT sector or uh, in general STEM subjects. So that's one part and um, also when it comes to schools also teachers are not uh, not prepared to actually explain what professions exist in ICT sector and uh, everyone knows programmers but there are so many others I mean there are project managers there are designers there are um, artificial intelligence uh, experts there are data scientists there are so many other professions we kind of uh, came up with this really cool comparison that the, if you study um, uh, computer science then you get this degree, uh, like after two or three years, you get the computer science degree. Uh, but for, with the degree, uh, degree, you're like a starting position as a doctor, because the doctor also studies uh, basics. And then you choose if you want to be a stomatologist or pediatrician or surgeon or whatever. Then in the, in the ICT sector, it's also the same. You don't have to be the programmer as, uh, uh, as it's promoted. Of course, it's a very necessary profession, but that's not the only one. And I think it's a trick for uh, how to also attract women uh, to, to see uh, more this profession is suitable for them. But actually, there's uh, one very interesting article in New York Times, I think it was published, um, that when the programming uh, profession was created in the 60s, 70s, it was actually very equally done by women and men because the access to computers was also um, uh, very equal. No one had access at home. Uh, computers were not at home. So everyone studied in university the same computer science subjects. And actually, some women showed actually, uh, actually that they are more determined and more pre precise doing this job. Uh, so also uh, access to computers, that's something that maybe girls don't get firsthand as a gift, uh, then the boys uh, can get more. That we don't didn't see in data in Latvia, but uh, that's something that US data shows. And, uh, data in UK shows. So, and another one that I wanted to highlight, it's also connected to stereotypes, is that women think that uh, this profession can't be combined with family. The stereotypical thinking that uh, that women still has to uh, take care of the children, and uh, this pro profession could potentially 
be harmful or uh, it doesn't go hand in hand with family life. But those women who actually work in ICT sector says that it's perfectly combined because you can work from home and uh, the working hours are more flexible. So also working to kind of reverse this uh, or change this uh, stereotype, which actually is uh, false. Yeah, they're very, very interesting data. And uh, I, I think I could talk for hours about <laughs> this subject. Would you say that the main obstacle that is impeding gender equality in the ICT sector are stereotypes? And then does the IT Education Foundation address this with a specific program? No, at the moment we don't have specific programs, but uh, in Latvia we have one organization, it's called Rigitech Goals, um, and they're very strong in uh, promoting this. And well, our goal is to promote ICT education in general because it has its problem, not only the female angle, but this organization specifically focuses on, uh, on uh, changing the stereotypes. And uh, I think recently in summertime, they actually got like um, a huge grant uh, from Google in order to fight the, these sort of stereotypes and introduce women to technologies. So they opened up um, open courses for women uh, and uh, within two or three weeks, 3,500 women applied for these courses. So the interest is big. I think they're doing very good. Um, like one uh, hour step, first step was to working towards this. Uh, this question was the research paper uh, and then of course we're working with teachers um, on explaining what is uh, IT professional so this is how we're trying to kind of not directly going but through different channels to address the, the issue yeah now let's go back to the European Forum Altbach as you might know it has been founded briefly after the second world war to bring Europe closer together and to build sort of an ideological foundation of what Europe is and what values it should promote. And now, 75 years later, the European Forum Alpoch is talking about how this exact foundation is threatened. In our first episode, we interviewed Joanna Rohozinska. She considered disinformation and especially disinformation campaigns by Russia and China a threat. Now, is there a qualified need for the Baltic states to have skills in ICT because they are mm, more prone to hybrid warfare from Russia? I think that uh, the digital literacy is needed to anyone. Of course, uh, our geographical position uh, puts us in an interesting spot, but at the same time, the information that comes from US and recently from UK about the referendum and the foundations uh, of different organizations, um, all the time we are under some sort of certain threat. It's the matter of how we are addressing it and how well we are understanding it and how well or fast we can start adapting to it or changing it or or whatever. So I think it's the democracy and the concept is all the time evol evolving and the Europe that was after the Second World War is not the same as it's now. That's why we have to study and um, be educated all the time. And that's also very hard because at age of 33, I understand that uh, we need to do that and uh, I have to follow the news and I have to be active, socially active. But what about the rest? Most people are not that way structured because 
mainly people are concentrating on their work and the family life and then the time for being socially active it's uh, you don't have that and then you're more kind of towards keen towards different slogans or, or one can say populists but not only towards different kind of radicalizations and then and then there's those those don't care and i'm most concerned about the ones that don't care and i think more and more young people are kind of in the segment that they care for instance about environment issues but they're not ready to go into politics that actively maybe to change these things also from the foundation perspective so i don't know it's it's uh, it's rather complicated question i think about it very often and uh, yeah i don't have a good answer to that sorry <laughs> yeah but uh, to tackle disinformation it takes not only skills in ict but also some general interest in politics would you agree with this statement and is that why you are also invested in quotu doma a latvian debate club Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, my personally, my interest towards politics uh, was brought by my history teacher and then later on also political science teacher. That's why I chose to study political science. It's definitely important to understand why things are the way they are and not to make the same mistakes. Um, because if you don't know how it happened historically, then you might do the, do the same stupid things that uh, at the moment, and it's, it's totally possible, I think, uh, maybe in other ways, but with the same intentions or something like that. From country to country, it's a totally different story. But um, I think if there would be more context given why this historic event uh, is important for you to know looking at what is happening at the moment. So giving the context and making it more appealing to kids, I think then the interest about politics could be increased, definitely. And I mean, young people involvement in politics has always been a problem. But I think with the resources that we have at the moment, uh, we can make it so much more interesting to study these things. And we can increase uh, the political activity, maybe not in the traditional way by joining the parties, but also searching new ways how to organize youth and um, how to get their vote. Yeah. Just recently, we have been living through a radical change when it comes to education. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of schools were closed and lessons were held online. What does that mean for digitization in schools in general? There are good things and bad things, definitely, with this. The good thing is that definitely all the teachers finally understood that they also have to have the digital literacy and uh, they have to understand what's YouTube and uh, what's Microsoft Teams, Zoom uh, and whatever, uh, and how to organize uh, work through different uh, setup. It also gives perspective uh, on that the way we teach in schools should also be changed. Uh, I think that, that, that with all the resources that we have at the moment, for instance, Khan Academy. So for ICT uh, at the moment, we don't need only that people study programming or digital literacy, but we also need to, that they study math. And those who are going to succeed, like the the in math, most likely are going to be next. I don't know, Bezos or, or Zuckerberg or whatever. And math is something that's uh, also it's like a subject that's being taught the same way for many many years. 
but uh, Khan Academy uh, kind of started uh, this uh, new perspective of how to uh, teach kids math and um, you can do it uh, by yourself through first uh, to 12th grade. It's an amazing way how to study and then one questions what is the role in the, of the teacher if there is uh, tasks, videos, whatever, uh, everything is available online. And then the teacher's competence also changes. The teacher is more like a consultant. Then you don't have to record all the lessons uh, or whatever. Then you have a tool that you are using uh, which gives a kid possibility to learn on, on its own, on its own pace and understand 100% every subject that he's studying. And then the teacher is the one that controls and sees how the kids are not functioning in the class or are functioning, who is lagging behind. Maybe there are the ones more advanced ones that needs more advanced tasks. And then he's like a consultant that sees the whole picture that's given one by the Khan Academy or any other tool and then it's the role is changing but of course it's uh, it's about access to technologies and those families that have five kids I think or, or three even or two it was rather a big struggle because not everyone has enough laptops or phones and uh, so it's also a question about that and uh, I could yeah, definitely talk for hours. There are so many good things about it, but there are so many bad things about it uh, as well. And um, I think also parents maybe learn how to appreciate uh, the schools, school systems, because uh, sometimes I think uh, parents are kind of thinking that the schools should handle also their kids' behavior. And uh, <laughs> I think this time also gave them to be more with their kids and understand their behavior and, uh, and the teachers where a role was more educational role. Good and bad things overall, I, I was happy that there was COVID and then the teachers were forced actually to understand things uh, and the progress in education reform is needed in, in Latvia and in many, many different countries because I also could talk a lot about university education, which is not reforming as well. We're giving the same subjects for many years, and uh, but the industry or the companies are searching for different kind of people that are more creative, that have all, not only like technical skills, but also uh, social skills, communication skills, all skills are necessary. It's the balance between them that needs to be revisited. Definitely music and creative arts is it's very, very necessary. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, programming is the only subject that needs to be taught in the schools. Uh, definitely in the balance. Uh, that's why I still am active in the Kota Duma, the based society. This also debating uh, kind of teaches you to understand what other person is, uh, is saying argument uh, yourself better and kind of make more productive conversation where you actually have to research the, the way how you answer the things and you don't just mm, kind of reproduce different uh, logical fallacies or, or, or whatever. It's, a, it's also a skill that is very, very much needed. For instance, in every company we need someone who is selling our product. So if you can't talk or you can't present yourself and or can't argument make a good argument, then you won't be able to sell. Yeah, I think nowadays people are needs a lot of combination of different skills: programming, selling, project management, and if you have all those skills, you will be very very uh, high up in the professional no landscape. <laughs> I 
I think for me, um, I, as I mentioned, I have a political science background and uh, I was active in political campaign organizer um, before and uh, I totally switched the sector now. I kind of was working with education, but I have never worked with ICT education. For me, it's also every day in, uh, learning something new and I maybe can recommend something for others so that you can study on your own pace and uh, that's for free. Uh, there is this um, course made in Finland um, called Elements of AI. It's a six-module course. Uh, you can do it easily in six weeks. You don't need the programming skills uh, or anything like that. And uh, I think they're at the moment uh, in the process of translating it, uh, it also in all EU languages. It's available in many already. So it gives a perspective about what, what is artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect us. and. Uh, you will be more able to participate in conversations about it um, because there are so many people who are saying that they understand this but most likely they, they don't and then you will be able to critically analyze what others are commenting about artificial intelligence so yeah uh, this is one course i would like to recommend uh, because i think we all should study all the time and it's also so fun to understand something new and since i'm doing it myself then Maybe someone else is going to do that. Thank you very much, Avia, for participating. Thank you so much for inviting. It was a pleasure. And thank you very much for listening. This was the second episode of our mini podcast series. This is a collaboration of De Centrum and the 2020 European Forum Alpbach that discusses fundamentals.